And you're very welcome to Wade In as we look back on Cheltenham 2022, the highs, the lows, all the good results, and of course, all the winners in the company of Mr. Kevin Blake. How are you, Kev? Ah, sure, I'm great, Hugh. Yeah, couldn't be better. Delighted to have a new week. <laughs> yeah, a brilliant festival. Tony Calvin, even you must have cracked a smile midweek as the horses were flying up that famous hill one after the other. No, no, no. Vanessa's no. no. Vanessa, you had a great week. You were there. I was jealous I, of you. I had just a great week. Honestly, just the best week. Just yeah. top class from start to finish. Loved every minute of it. Brilliant. Well, look, we're going to go After through... a dry week. week, you must have loved that glass of wine on Friday night when it was all over. Yeah. <laughs> Such a pro, Vanessa. Just completely, you know, eyes on the job. Nothing to do with social life whatsoever. It's all about the racing. Then Friday, one glass of wine just to celebrate. Yeah, got right? Call me, just call me Jane Mangan. <laughs> Jane wouldn't even have that glass of wine on Friday, I can tell you. Right, let's look back on the, on the highlights, guys. And obviously there are many. We'll start with the Gold Cup winner. A Plutar, or as the guy in my local bookie over the radio system called him, A Plus Tard. And I said, Jesus Christ, lad. I mean, could you make any effort to get it right whatsoever? Kevin, what did you think of A Plutar? For Rachel Blackmore, for Henry de had once again having the one-two in reverse order. She picked the right horse. Uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, well, it was a great performance. Um, she look, it kind of panned out the way that we've been speculating for weeks that it might. Um, it, it was one of those deadly run gold cups. Um, it did present problems for the likes of Galvin and especially Manila Endo, who, who ended up in front about a week and a half too soon. Um, and look, Rachel, like you, you could tell with Rachel, like since last year, like that, that defeat in the Gold Cup, like really stayed with her. And uh, the defeat at Christmas, you know, I don't think she looked back on that too fondly either. So she had some demons on her shoulders. Um, jumping on this horse in the Gold Cup and I just thought she gave him a lovely ride you know I know it's easy to look at the result and say well 15 lengths you know Hugh could have won on him but um, like the decision she had to make there kind of after three out you know she she was cool when she needed to be cool and you know she didn't try to force her way out to the outside when she was kind of pocketed there um, you know and it would have been a kind of a disconcerting sight there for Manila Indo to surge away you know when he did so for her to sit as chilly as she did I think was great and like a, a speed focused gold cup. I think like really suited this fella and I'm um, sure he absolutely danced in. I know it, it wasn't necessarily as big on the clock as it was in, in terms of visuals, but um, he absolutely whomped them. And um, yeah, eight year old, you know, it seems like a long time ago now since he won the the, the novices handicap chase at Cheltenham, doesn't it? But uh, this yeah. was his big, this was his big, big day and he was very impressive. Yeah, my eyes were all on uh, Manella and Doug because I backed him to you see, and then the next minute, obviously, Rachel just pressed the button and um, and away Aplutar went, uh, fully deserved of it. And, and it was some reversal from the performance of Christmas, in fairness to Henry de Romhead. Yeah, not a lot to mention from what Kev says there, really, but, you know, came back to that Betfair chase win at Haydock in November, that kind of dominant performance. And, yeah, it was, uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Well, certainly not a 15-inch win. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you couple that, I guess, Vanessa, with uh, Honeysuckle and the champion hurdle. So I, I think Rachel can, can be pretty happy with her week. Not as good as last year in terms of numbers, sheer numbers, but to have a champion hurdle winner and a Gold Cup winner isn't a bad week at Cheltenham, is it? <laughs> no, it, definitely not. And when you think about last year and all those victories she took home, but you just definitely got the impression that on the flight back, she'd have been thinking about what could have been in the Gold Cup. Yeah. So to come back and right that wrong, I'm sure she'd take a Gold Cup win 
over a, a big haul, probably again, given you could just see what it meant to a post race. She's not an emotional person. We've seen the win champion hurdles, grade ones, nationals, first grade ones. You know, we've seen her at every milestone and we, you don't see Rachel Blackmore cry. She's not a crier. She never has been. She's sometimes lost for words, but she's not an emotional crier in those moments. And yet it was right at the top of, it was right on the surface, wasn't it? The emotion, you could just see it in all the post-race interviews, even sort of 20 minutes after with Lydia Hislop, you could see what that Gold Cup meet, uh, win meant to her. As a performance, um, I kind of got the impression after her, my feeling after Honeysuckle was that was a relief to her as much as anything, a relief to her and connections as much as anything else. Whereas after a Plutard won the Gold Cup, I felt like that was, that felt like a real sense of satisfaction, righting a wrong. That's what it felt like to me. So I think probably two different emotions for the camp on two different days, bookending the week, but incredibly special, special to be there, special to witness her do what she can do like that and what Kevin said about the ride she gave a Plutard the ice coolness and the way he scampered up the hill I mean it was reminiscent of that uh novice chase win wasn't it back in 2019 yeah. the way he just like scurried away I know that was over the two and a half miles but he the lengths he managed to put between him and his rivals on Friday just incredible yeah, what did you make of Honeysuckle just while we're on Rachel at TC? Um, I know, look, we've, we've, we've been giving out about the champion hurdle division all yeah. season long, and hopefully we might get some depth to it, which we'll come on to in a minute by a certain novice hurdle performance. But look, I guess she did what she did, and she's still unbeaten. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I was a disbeliever at the price, but I don't think anybody, anybody you know, quibble with the fact that she should be should be favourite there, but obviously it was just the manner in which she does it is just very impressive. But once again, you know, it, it was it was more style than substance. If you go back and look at the beaten distances of the horses and the calibre of the horses in behind, you know, and I'm well, I haven't heard much about it actually, but we didn't even get the seven pounds, you know, sex allowance argument coming out because obviously, you know, uh, Chris they, Cook in the race of post today. Oh, did he? Oh, well, just <laughs> yeah. say, it, say it quietly, but it's only here, the best horse at the weights, etc. etc. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't hear that at all. Maybe, maybe we're all sick of hearing each other's voices on, on that subject, but yeah, I mean, that you know, obviously, you go back and look at the results. Senra not beaten far, uh, far, not so sleepy, came back and finished fifth after looking beaten. And if you just go back and look at the beaten distances of the runners. Yeah, it's yeah. She she's she's excelling in 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 a, in a below par era. But as as we've all said, and uh, we saw you said it during the Nichols days, etc. Just getting a horse to a race fifteen times, let alone getting a horse to win at a race yeah. fifteen times, is just off the scale. It's phenomenal. I, I look the big thing now. I guess Kevin is you know honeysuckle. Will she get that matchup with Constitution Hill at Punchestown? It looks like I mean if they're true to their word before the race, they would go to Punchestown to take her on. And I'd have to say, I mean, for me, the most impressive and the most wow moment of the entire week was in the first race of Constitution Hill when he did. Yeah, he was brilliant. Like, and look, and you know, I suppose, you know, he looked, well, I know I do. I, I kind of always view these like fiercely visually impressive performances. I'm, I'm automatically kind of tuned into cynical, you know, and you're looking back and saying, oh, we had a faller, you know, a couple of disappointments in behind. Maybe that's not quite as good as it seemed. And then you see the time and the section says like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, broken, yeah. you know, well, I know it's, it's been debated since, but it broke a, broke a course record. Um, Annie Powers course record. 
Um, you know, and, and to do that third race course appearance um, is, is pretty phenomenal. And he, he looks like a real proper one. You know, I think I think we're all in a similar boat. I know TC, um, you know, uh, you know, liked him enough to, to back him for the Supreme, etc. Um, I think there wasn't many people knocking the style of what he did. We just didn't know what he was doing. The clock was backing him up. But um, for him to do this. Um, was next level stuff and it would just be such a breath of fresh air if it happened if they went and took on honeysuckle in the champion why would they why would they not why would they not do it ken why would they just nikki henderson won't want to do it (laughs) nikki henderson i thought that interview um michael buckley did on sky sports racing on sunday was quite interesting referring to beat that and that good horse that won at aintree then they took him to punchestown and he won did he but then they were saying he was saying he was never the same horse again i think i think potentially you know the scars of those sort of days those sort of examples i I know i know it shouldn't put you off i think i was i was listening to that and i just thought yeah beat that beat that what horse did that beat I went back and had Don a look. Poli. It was Don Poli. <laughs> had to meet Don Poli in that bottled in, uh, in that bottomed in. Imagine being bottomed by beating Don Poli. God. The, yeah. oh, hold on, multiple grade one winner, Don Poli. <laughs> Go wash your mouth out. So yeah. much speed, champion. But look, it, like it would be such a breath of fresh air because like is honeysuckle like guaranteed to come back next season. Like I, I, I would raise that possibility. Um, so Should like I really hope it happens. It, it wouldn't be a million to one. It mm. wouldn't be a million to one. Like for me, and like poor old Matt Chapman, I was getting called out left, right, and center for kind of raising what was kind of mostly valid points. Like I don't think she's been as good this season. Like it, with, with honeysuckle, it's the body of work that makes her great rather than individual performances because she's just ha- has happened to be around in a time where it is a pretty poor division and she is getting her seven pounds. Like Annie Power, you know, I know had a, had a higher official rating than Honeysuckle has achieved thus far. So like to, to raise those concerns is perfectly valid. Um, but with her, it is the body of work, that unbeaten streak that it, that is so special. Um, but like, I think for her legacy, you know, she needs to take on a tip topper. And there's not one there in open company right now, but we have in Constitution Hill, number one, you know, and potentially, you know, Sir Gerhard, even Vauban, who knows? And um, we have some potential um, tip toppers, you know, but Constitution Hill is clearly leading the way in that regard. And if they the throw him in against her in, at Punchestown, like that, that will be special. Like that will, that will bring in the crowds. That'll put everyone's eyes on it. And ultimately, Hugh, we're in the entertainment business. Yeah, and listen, races, listen. races like that is what we need to be pushing for. If they're already bringing up past examples of a horse that one time came over to Punchestown and had a bad experience, never the same, as an excuse not to do this, despite saying before the race, Tony Calvin, that they were absolutely going to do this, and if if he wins the race, I mean, it's absolute bullshit if they don't come over. It, it, it was only the owner throwing this out on uh, luck on Sunday a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? And so it wasn't a definitive plan, and and, then, and I think any trainer would probably maybe balk at throwing up against uh, a horse like Honeysuckle. But, you know, you only have to look at the time form ratings. Time form ratings would have him, even, I think, even with the £7 sex allowance, I think time form would have Constitution Hill top rated uh, in any matchup like that. It's just whether they want to... Sorry, this attitude of, well, we can't have the best horses running against each other, It's it's it drives me absolutely to drink every day of the week, which is why I have to... You are, you are looking not at... This, like, not this month, Hugh. 
not this month. But like it's it's, it's so hope frustrating. I mean, it's no other sport. Do you do people actively avoid the best competition to give fans who love the sport what they want to see? And there's no reason for them not to do this. But it's He's a, had it's three a product of this season. It's a product it, it, of the system it, it, we have here. It's, it's because, it. like, he, he'd have, you know, there's three grade one options for him. And novice hurdles is a punch of sound. So that's why it could happen that they switch to a novice because this, it's this, the system that we have. But in terms of, like, you know, you, you know, to give a boxing comparison, you always talk about, right, what will sell? What fight will sell? Yeah. You know, this will sell. And like it, it's not like it hasn't been done before. Like, gee, now imagine how mad this was when you when you think back on it. I remember a horse called uh, Davenport Millennium. You know, went to the Punchestown Festival, won the Grade One novice on. Um, on I can't recall what day it was. It might have been a Tuesday, and then rocked up in the Champion Hurdle. You know, two days later and won that as well. <laughs> you know, oh and that's God. not a million yeah. years ago. That's twenty years ago. Yeah. You know, Ruby rode him both days. Willie trained him. You know, imagine that even the thought of that occurring to anyone these days. I know back in front ran in the champion hurdle, the Punchestown champion hurdle as a novice after winning the Supreme. Have a goal, lads. This is how you make legends. Look at, look at Anthony Joshua Shane, Hill okay. went, to, went, went to beat Honeysuckle and, you know, heaven forbid he got hurt over the summer and never ran again. He'd still be a legend. Yeah, this look, is how you make legends. He certainly exactly, won't be a legend actually, if he goes and wins the novice hurdle that 10s on. The analogy is Anthony Joshua fought absolutely no. He spent his entire career ducking and diving all the best boxers. He lost to that little fat Mexican guy, Andy Ruiz. And now he can't get a fight with the best of them. And he would never go down as, as a potential world great. Like you, you just want to see, first of all, I know it's not Honeysuckle's fault necessarily, but I guess, TC, for me, her best performance was beating Betty DeJoon that uh, in that mare's that, that, that time. That's probably the best bit of form that she's, yeah. she's had. A lot of people would say she should have lost that, wouldn't they? Yeah, but, well, there you go. But, 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 I would say, it's, I've never heard it mentioned before about what Kevin just mentioned there. Do you think it, it playing on the connection's mind that they want to retire her unbeaten? And if she did retire, how much would she be worth at stud? I don't think it'd be a money thing, really. Like, she'd be worth, like, you know, she'd be worth plenty, but it's not, it wouldn't really be a thing for them. Like, I think at this stage, with them and you watch every time she runs and you just it's hard to even know how much they're enjoying it it's almost yeah. relief yeah. and they'll be sitting down over the summer they'll be looking at her out in the field and you know it just wouldn't be a million to one to me if they say do we want to go through that again you know well, I think they'd be tempted by three champion hurdles wouldn't they yeah or maybe so they're sporting people in fairness to them you they know are. they're all sporting people but I'm just saying like you, we can't rule out the possibility right. which makes which creates almost almost a, a slight sense, sense of urgency with this um, and I just because at the end of the day lads we get so tied up in this protecting horses they're national hunt horses Constitution Hill is a gelding if he gets beat so what he'll be oh, fine what? he'll have a summer of grass and he'll come back in, in, in the open hurdle division next season and probably be brilliant you know, you know they have a chance here to like really reach and grab for something like like pretty legendary if they could pull it off, you know, grab it. And Mick Buckley, you know, Mick Buckley's a sportsman. He wouldn't have mentioned it in the first place if he wasn't. No, I don't you know, so I don't think it's. I don't think we're gonna we're gonna lack for Mick Buckley being game no, here. I was gonna say, I think the only person who would put a stop to that sort of chat would be Nicky himself. But he loves grab it, lads. Go and yeah, but but in fairness to Nicky, we, we give we give we give Nicky stick. In fairness to him, like yeah. he has run the likes of. Um, uh, Altior in like the celebration chase back end of the season in open company as a novice he might have yeah. done did he do with Spitter Sacker as well I know yeah, they're novice chasers but he, he has did. form 
He took the sprinter Sacker over to Punchestown when he'd had that long t- season and a tough few races. And people say that bottomed him or whatever. But I think, like, to be fair to Nicky, he supports that festival very strongly as best he can. He loves having winners over at Punchestown. He's got an owner behind him who's mad keen for a bit of sport and a bit of crack over there too. They're big Irish supporters. Mm. I don't know. I think we're getting stuck into them like this isn't going to happen. I think it could happen. Great, but well, it was because you know we wanted to happen, and like, look, prove us wrong, lads, make it happen, because this, this literally would be so. We are, and we always hear this mostly rubbish, you know. Oh, this is good for the game. This is bad for the game. This would be good for the game. You can stick this up on billboards and really build it. Like this is this is like every sport, like tip top sporting narrative you could ever want. The undefeated champion, you know, and the young pretender. The Great White Hope. You know, this is this is gold. What do we make of uh, Gallop and Duchamp's fault? Vanessa, like, you know... Um... Oh, my God, guys. Can <laughs> I just say, if you weren't there... So, I was in the paddock watching this, and you all must have heard about this drama already. So, no. he's gone however many lengths clear. We're all watching on the big screen in the paddock. I was actually stood with Dan Barber at the time. We're watching on the big screen, and we're by, like probably a few metres away from the racing TV posse and their monitor, which is absolutely tiny. And we're watching, and he takes takes off over the last, looks perfection, like lands, and no word of a lie, <laughs> the big screen freezes when he's got two feet down, oh, back end no to perfection, just like a perfect <gasps> shot. So you, the big screen freezes, but you just presume he's jumped it perfectly because he looked like he had on the freeze. Then there's a groan from the stands and then everyone runs <laughs> the racing TV monitor and it's like, he's fallen. Oh Sorry, my God. Like, story the, before. The That's freeze remarkable. on the big screen, everyone in the paddock, everyone this side of the stands, the screen, this freeze on the big screen was this oh, perfect shot of him just landing oh, perfection. In that's perfection. 10 billion and to one. Literally, we and then it's like, what, what, what? Like, because you heard the groans. We ran over to the monitor, but obviously they're trying to watch and do their job. And he's fallen. And you just can't, you couldn't have made it up. And then Dan was adamant that um, Paul fucked the job. And I was adamant that he had nothing to do with, like, screwing at the job. Anyway... Did you, have Dan, did you have Dan on your shoulders, Vanessa? I had Dan on my shoulders, yeah. Just giving him a little viewing point. Um, but, yeah, all in all, God, the drama of that kind of took away from it all. And I saw Rachel afterwards and she was just like, what the... And I was like, just, you know, take oh, it sort of thing. Oh. But it's kind of like... Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it really took away from the whole event and Bob Ollinger crabbing up the hill with an awkward head carriage was a bit of a disappointment all in all, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't think we saw the real Bob at oh, all. Like, at all. Um, you know, and, and galloping, Bob was galloping, achieving. Um, maybe not as much as he probably would have been given, given credit for if he had got the landing gear out. And, like, it was just the weirdest thing of all time, wasn't it? Because, like, he had probably... Yeah six other jumps during the race that would have been he would have been more entitled to have trouble with the landing gear like to like and i watched it a lot and a, and a lot of people watched it a lot and i think the general conclusion certainly mine is like he jumped it perfectly fine like he had no right to fall no and it it, it was just the oddest thing of all time yeah. like it really was there's no part yeah. of it that you think oh that's why he fell when you want like to jumped the first three, he gave the first three like two foot. Yeah. 
Like, and he got his landing gear out perfectly fine for that. It was just so strange. But potentially, TC, how good is Gallup and Deshaun on the basis? Just forget the last fall there in the defense, but how, how good do you I think mean, this guy is? I read some stuff about the time not being extraordinary, but I mean, the, the, the performance he put up was, you know, was, was in the, you know, in the realms of being spellbinding in, in the circumstances, isn't it? But, and Willie Mullins afterwards, you know, throwing the ball up into the air saying, oh, we could bring him back to two miles. And, you know, obviously he's already won over three miles. So, you know, yeah. where's he going to go next? I don't know. But I mean, Bob Ollinger, just, I thought he was going to pull himself up on the run in there. I mean, it was like a like watching a Fontwell novice hurdle. I mean, he didn't look right, did he? I mean, something must come to light there because he, he just looked like he didn't he didn't want it, didn't want it at all, did it? I assume I was the only one that was watching that scene waiting. Where's Bustleton? Come on, Bustleton! <laughs> <laughs> If, any, if the second and third have been winning like they were off, they might have won. Because I'm, I'll tell you, Rachel's heart was going for her mouth uh, on the run. I'll tell you what. Looking yeah. out, if anything, anything's near me. This yeah, did, did, do you know what? I, pro- I, pro- I probably shouldn't say it, but you know, JJ came in afterwards. They said, Jack, you know, obviously he's finished second. It's a great result. And he, he said, yeah, to be honest, I kind of forgot about the two in front. I was worried, worried about the fellow beside me. Hey, well, <laughs> I mean, right, she must have just shattered herself. Well, that <laughs> that race. I wouldn't have it at a million for, for this time next year, us to have been talking about Bob Ollinger in a champion hurdle, having run in a champion hurdle. I mm. honestly wouldn't put it past them I just think I'm not sure this is going that well for him and yet he's got a huge engine and if he was to return to hurdles I would run him over the two miles rather than anything more than that and I just wonder if they might go down that route if if the honeysuckle was trained any place else I'd say it would be a certainty yeah could you imagine could you imagine a champion hurdle next year with constitution hill sir gerhard honeysuckle and bob alder i mean that, 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 that'll get it get that'll get us and Vauban getting us that'll get us right oh. that'll get a jiggy yeah. wow brilliant I at long that. last we've wait, we had to wait 15 years for a decent champion hurdle yeah can you imagine like if the champion hurdle goes from being crap to being like exceptionally good well, let's not get ahead of ourselves jesus yeah it would be it would be amazing it would be brilliant that, that, i mean it, it, it's totally reinvigorate the whole thing but like as you say like there's a lot of a lot of pieces have to fall into the puzzle for that to happen there and um, can i just say that uh and i know shishkin obviously wasn't himself but Anergamine for me, I know a lot of people say Constitution. For me, Anergamine was the greatest win of the week. Uh, Tony Calvin, I thought this was just a masterclass. I'm actually really disappointed that Shishkin didn't run his race because I still think Anergamine would have smashed him into the ground, but uh, I'm, I'm probably, yeah. probably alone in that. But uh, what do you think, TC? He, he, he was exceptional, wasn't he? I mean, obviously the ground came in his favour and uh, was given the right, but he's like... The form, very much like the champion hurdle, the form probably doesn't stack up to, to anywhere near greatness, does it? But, I mean, it's obviously the mystery of the race with Shishkin. I mean, are we really buying the ground did that to him after one or two fences? I mean, I, I haven't spoken to Nico after the race. I didn't even bother texting him uh, throughout the week about it because, you know, they were It didn't look that bad. I mean, we've, we've, we've all sat and watched Haydock's meetings. We've watched Cheltenham in, in December. It didn't look that bad it, on it, TV. It's interesting. It's interesting because... Immediately, uh, the, the next day, uh, Nicky Hedson did say in an interview, and I went back and had a look, he did say that the horse came back a little bit sore. Now, if you're coming back a bit sore after literally having a race over three fences, and then something, something physical surely must come to look very much like Bob Ollinger. Mm. But for the ground to make that much of a difference that early, 
It's just a mystifying one, didn't it? But yeah, obviously, the story of the race was was Shisky and not an Ergamine, as you point out, you and an Ergamine was was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you got to say there, Vanessa? No, I just I, I would agree with what Tony says in terms of I'm not sure if he jumped if he got two thirds of the way around or three quarters of the way around and then he didn't put up his show. Uh, maybe then you could blame the ground, but I just don't think. I think something was not, I'm with Tony, I think something was not right with him elsewhere for whatever reason. I wonder if something might come to light in time. But I just don't think he was the Shishkin we know. Just from the moment the tapes went up, never mind like any part of the screw being turned in the race, he just didn't look comfortable. What was interesting is I stood where we watched the racing, I saw him come back in and he was absolutely bouncing coming back in. You know, I mean, I know he's had no race at all. Obviously, he's barely had what he'd do in a morning, really. But, you know, there was not a bother on him, is what I was saying. Ears prick, bouncing along, jig-jogging, looked happy out in himself, sound as a pound. So it really was a mystery, none more so, I'm sure, to connections. It was disappointing that the matchup looked like happening. And then Patrick gets bobbled out the saddle and Shishkin gets pulled up. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It just awesome. makes you appreciate what we saw in Ascot, doesn't it? Because so yeah. often, how many times yeah. has it happened in champion chases that, you know, you know, really exciting things that we build to just absolutely fall oh. flat? Yeah. Um, and like with Shishkin, like I just, I just find it kind of so odd that, you know, so many people are willing to just kind of swallow what they're told from trainers <laughs> regards ground and that and the excuses, where it like a, is in complete contrast with all the evidence we have. Like, like I, Shishkin, I, yeah. like the time form called the ground soft based on times the other day. Like Shishkin, the ground has been soft when Shishkin's won eight of his 11 wins. Yeah. You know, Shishkin doesn't have a problem what? with soft ground. So why, do they, why, you know? why is the first reaction out of Nicky Henderson's, but oh, he just hated that ground. And as Vanessa said, the horse bounced in like he was going. To- and look, I don't think Martin. Nikki's trying. To, I don't think Nikki's trying to mislead anyone. But I think when you're in the immediate aftermath of something so, you know, surprising and and upsetting and disappointing, you know, I suppose it's a natural inclination to blame the most obvious thing. And the most obvious thing, you know, it hammered down a rain and the ground got soft. So blame that. But I think a physical a physical issue is much more, much, much more um, likely. Um, given that Paul he Nichols, literally never Nichols, went the yard. Why did Paul Nichols scratch Brave Man's game because of the ground? You just wondered was how committed Paul was to the race to do that. Um, like he, there was, there, he, you oh, know, I building, know about that. you know, building to it, you know, he, there, he had raised, I suppose, concern, you know, questions whether the horse would run or not, and he just perhaps didn't need a huge reason to pull. I think he's going to be just as happy going to Aintree, and um, the the rain. You know, just hammered home probably existing doubts that were there. I'm, I'm assuming he kind of well, he obviously was very upset in the day, and he went and pulled out a whole heap of horses. Yeah. Um, but was that because it, the, was that because of the watering? Because because of the watering and well, the rain. And in fairness, we probably should have dealt with it at the top. Like, I don't think I don't think the watering was a huge thing. Like he, he put on I think five mils, but in the end they got twenty two mils of rain. Like whether he put on the five mils or not, it was going to be at least soft. I think it was unfortunate. Um, you know we can we can all talk about. I know there's a lot of hindsightology with it. We're all looking at the forecast as best we could, and like it was changing, it was moving, and he took a chance. And you know I suppose technically he got it wrong, but you know with twenty two mils arriving, I don't think it made a giant difference. It made a difference clearly, but I don't think it made a giant. Difference. Obviously. He he was he clearly was particularly filthy at the decision to to water. I mean, he, he Nichols, would, Nichols, this is yeah, Paul Nichols. I mean, he was uh, yeah, all this all this stuff from people saying, oh, it was it was forecast to bucking down on, on all forecasts. And I look at a lot of forecasts, 
And we were talking about it in all the racing only betters leading up to it. I mean, it was a changeable fee. Some, you know, some websites were giving one to two mil, some were giving up to 11 mil. So, you know what that's like. And I imagine he was getting his information from Paul Barber because Paul Barber's a farmer, not too far away. He's got his finger on the pulse about what's going to happen. I mean, they get, they get all kind of forecasts and they probably get the best forecast because their livelihood depends on it as regards, you know, as regards to the agriculture and, and what they've got. But so I imagine they, they were, they were adamant that it was going to piss down all day. And it certainly did. But and, and at the time, I imagine that's playing in his mind. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him about it, but what I do know is, and obviously the press latched onto it uh, immediately after he started pulling out his horses, including Sam Calvados the next day, he was, he was understated fuming and you could sense it on, even on the TV interviews. Mm. Yeah. I think okay. That, at All the right. end of the day, it wouldn't have been, yeah. It was with that amount of rain, it was going to be soft anyway, wasn't it? And the poor lad, like I know that it's by committee, the watering really, and the BHA will have come into it as well after day one. But like the clerk of the course, you know, like Tony said, there were very conflicting views on the weather. There was very, everyone talking about it on the morning of Wednesday, some people saying it's going to stop any minute, et cetera, et cetera. If he hadn't have watered and the ground had only got faster, there would have been all sorts of trouble. Yeah, what? a couple of horses killed, you know, what? like that. That's yeah, the real in terms of you know what's your what's your best case scenario, worst case scenario. That's your worst case scenario, and, and yeah. I'm not going to knock. I'll never knock them for mitigating no, against that, you know. And that's what thing that annoyed me about all this. I mean, I don't need a second invitation to knock anybody, but the clerks <laughs> are in an impossible situation. They're getting it right, left, and centre after all the times on Tuesday. All the trainers and all the all the, all the jockeys are in there. Yeah? You've got fatality in the first in, in the Supreme Herder on Tuesday. You've got the BHA worried about, you know, the wider public profile. He, look, he, he, look he, he's just the front man there and he is the, and in some ways he's the full guy and, he, and he's fronted up. So I haven't got any problem with that. You've got to be, you've got to be some naive to think he did, took that decision in isolation. He took that decision because basically he was told to. Yeah. Okay. Kev, Alaho, what do you think? Asher was very good again, wasn't he? Um, it's just, you see, you're lucky. You're, it's nitpicking lucky, but he was odds on. He went and won like we all hoped he would. Um, it's, it's just, you do just find it slightly frustrating that what is, you know, one of the best horses in the game, you know, kind of gets to come to a championship meet and have a solo run. Yeah. Um, you know, you, 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 I, you know, that's just me being pernickety, but he's very good. I don't think it created the same amount of buzz this year as it did last year, um, just because I think last year was probably a bit more visually wow. Um, but he's just a really, really good horse. Mid-range trip suit him very well. Um, and he went and won. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that the only race all week now, Hugh. That and you always hate to say it. I know we're kind of a we're a hardened out cynical bunch, but there was a few races there this year that just not a whole lot happened. And you yeah. know, the Fab won. And <laughs> hey, listen, you know. I'm not complaining. Short points, Fab, <laughs> in the absolute turn. Price blind well, what, strikes. It's like watching one of those Baden races on the dirt. <laughs> like, made all easily move on. Yeah. Like yeah. what about the national the national hunt chase? Was that not the most the most boring race you've ever oh. seen in your life? Nothing oh. happened. Run the, the favorite made the run, and the second favorite followed them. Second favorite passed them out of tree out, and that was kind of it. You know, nothing it was a great result. Happened. It was a great and result. Had, and they had to yeah. do about five laps to get to that conclusion. So, uh, <laughs> so, just before we leave Alho, I mean, obviously, they're you know everyone's thinking go up to three miles for the Kings Royals, etc. And I, I had a look at this market and I was I was gobstruck by the prices. Uh, it, it, it's a liquid market, etc. But the price is up there for anybody to say now. What price 
would you be Alaho in an all-in Andy Post market? There's I know, no, I know the answer oh, here, and I was surprised as well. Oh, did you look? <laughs> was he sixteen? Oh, I, or so you know, Vanessa, what price do you reckon oh, Alaho is currently in the King George market? Uh, I don't think I don't think in a chance, not a chance, he'll show up. I think really? if he's in the Antipos market, he's eight to one shot, ten to one shot. I'm massively impressed by that. You, he's not ten to eleven. I'll give you a clue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no wait for me. I'll pass. Uh, it was uh, he's eight point six, and, and if he went there, he'd go wrong, wouldn't he? Good. I think I, he, I think immediately after the Ryanair, I think you could have got sixteen to one. I'm nearly sure I read someone say that. Um, I, I, I wonder. Well, I think he's better left-handed. They've obviously run him right-handed a few times, so they probably maybe I wouldn't stop him doing it. Um, yeah, yeah like, it'd be interesting. Like last year, I think that was a that was the most spellbinding performance of the week. Albeit he was beating relatively trees and was doing a massive odds on, but he just you just see that horse, you just think he's an absolute brute, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And um, ride of the week, Danny Mullins. Vanessa, why why is it that Danny Mullins, you know, nephew to the great WPM, seems to get very little favorable favorable treatment from his uncle in terms of the star horses and his battalion, and has to go scrapping for rides. Flooring Porter was absolutely sensational. Ruby Walsh's bit of analysis on ITV afterwards was just class, highlighting exactly how good Danny Mullins was. I'm just scratching my head why this guy doesn't get more top name rides. Oh, I think, you know, he gets his fair share of rides. He's a kind of lone ranger, isn't he, Danny? He does. He yeah. does things on his own. He sails his own boat. He doesn't necessarily need to be. Do you have a boat? Santini. I wouldn't have asked him. I wouldn't <laughs> have asked him. You uh, can see him in a boat, pair yes. of dudes. He's definitely a sort of man that does his own thing. And I'd say he probably doesn't need to commit fully to one yard Willie Mullins is, or any other for that matter or any owner. I think he probably quite likes doing his own thing. And I think I, I bet probably- he'd love to ride more Willie horses though. The problem, the problem is everyone, everyone in Ireland seems to be related to Willie Mullins. So he's probably... <laughs> Yeah. He's, yeah, he's but, quite low down on the family tree. No, yeah. anyway, look, I, I yeah, look, well, family forest for that more. <laughs> they spread the rides around relatively fairly, and when he gets the opportunity, Danny, he grabs it with both hands. Uh, his ride on flooring Porter has been well documented as different gear, uh, but he got everything. Is he got he got he got the perfect spin round. Everything went perfectly for him. Ride of the week went to Patrick on Billaway anyway, so we can put that. Out ah, stop, Team Patrick yeah. over there. <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know. I, I, I was in the pub watching that race. I still every every person in the pub backed that horse. I still have no idea how Patrick <laughs> got that horse. Three out. Oh, I was yeah. just like, this is such a boat of a yak of a horse. Why does he keep riding it? And then bang. Up on the line. Nothing well, you know what on. happened? It wasn't Patrick. It was the two lads in front of him. <laughs> Unfortunately, getting tied up with each other from like four out and uh, and going too hard. They crawl up the running and let, let Bill away back in. But yeah. uh, on Danny, like we like we said it um, on one of the preview pods. Like I think it was um, a preview in what race? So Patrick Patrick riding Shaka. Like I, I I think I said it aloud. I said Jesus, you know, leaving Danny Danny in the waiting room is a big call. Um, because I'd have great regard for Danny, he was very good on floor and porter. They left him alone, which certainly helped his cause, but he he did his job perfectly. 
And um, like Danny had one of those horrendous losing runs at Cheltenham. Like he finished second like five times, like including a couple of photo finishes and that. His, his mother even beat him one year in, in Albert Bartlett. He just had this horrendous run. It looked like it would never happen. And um, Florin Porter last year was his first one with no crowd. So this was his first one with a crowd. So you'd be happy for him on that front. But um, yeah. right of the week, you is, is Derek Fox, surely, isn't it? Day one. Cork Rambler, that was that all. If that was Paul Carberry, they they would literally build a statue at Cheltenham commemorating that ride. You know, Derek Fox isn't isn't you know nearly as high profile. Um, so it almost got forgotten about because it was on day one. That uh, was yeah, uh, that I, was plus, a thing I, I didn't back music. him. I didn't back him, so I don't really care. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, no. But that's Vanessa really was just texting Patrick there, saying that we're slagging him on the podcast. None of it. None of it. I was texting the boss man Barry, who's cross about my audio, and obviously yeah. he's applauding. He's applauding me making such valid and honest points, but he says my audio is not great. So sorry. No, we'll, we'll boost it up. We'll boost it up. Can I just read you um, a couple of paragraphs from the Racing Post by Katie? Walsh and this is in relation to the last race we're going to talk about <laughs> of course involving uh, Tiger Roll. I really don't know what to say about the cross country race for three miles and about five and a half furlongs it was brilliant to watch Tiger Roll enjoying himself and then it wasn't there was nothing Jack Kennedy could do on Delta work and it was an awful position for him to have been put in he didn't want to beat Tiger Roll either but he's a professional and he had a job to do he got booed all the way back down the chute and Davey Russell had to go back up for him so they'd stop I just don't understand why they ran Dell to work. He was clearly the best horse in the race, a five-time grade one winner and an Irish Gold Cup winner, and he started favourite. If he took to it at all, he was always going to be hard to beat. It should have been Tiger Rose's moment, and what a way it would have been to bow out, but they robbed him of it themselves. It left a sour taste in my mouth, to be honest. He's a whole Katie had an absolute fortune on Delta Work if it was that simple. Jesus. <laughs> I, also just, I also just want to point out, I mean, not about the actual issue, but just in terms of the mention of Jack Kennedy, I'd say, he's, I'd say I, I'm not entirely sure any of that is true about Jack. He seemed absolutely <laughs> delighted he'd won a Cheltenham Festival a race. He gave it a massive fist pump, and he gave him a perfect ride, and he got up to win on the line at the Cheltenham Festival. And look, we might not have liked it, but just on the Jack Kennedy point, we interviewed him on Five Live afterwards, and uh, there was not any regret at all. He'd do it a thousand times over again. Of not he a, would. Yeah, he won a Cheltenham Festival okay. race. The horse race. Okay, yes. but the wider, the wider point, the, the wider point about Chickenstown, Tony Cavan. Uh, like, should they have run Delta work against Tiger Roll? Does Kenny Walsh have a point there? They bloody should have. They don't know if Tiger Roll's going to run his race, do they? I mean, what an absolute fucking pile of horseshit <laughs> that is in the race. Okay, you And we reached a stage where we want races to be run to suit a PR narrative rather than races to be run on their merits. Heaven forbid. We've got people actually writing that down in the trade newspaper. It's an absolute bloody disgrace. It, it, was, it was a very common view. Like, I saw no. like, a, all, a lot all of people social media. Team. A lot of people had like, that I, I just... Uh, I, don't, look, don't in a perfect world, you know... In a perfect world, of course, the, the tiger would have held on by a head and it would have been unreal. But like this is it's a horse race, lads. You know, if Tiger Roll had been pulled up, you know, and, and they hadn't yeah. run Delta work just in case he might have beat Tiger Roll, they'd be they look like a bunch of idiots. Yeah, my look, I was like they're on track in the moment. I was so distraught that Tiger Roll hadn't won. I was distraught, but there was no part of me that thought they shouldn't have run Delta work, if that makes sense. Like okay. it's not. I, of course, we all wanted for the big PR narrative, the story, for the reception, oh, everything. It would have been absolutely magic. But 
I wasn't fuming at anyone for running Dell to work. That's not how this game works. He just didn't win. I'd have been disappointed had he not won and beaten by any other yak as well. And in and- fairness, I think what happened like was next door to what we would have liked to have happened in terms of the, the spectacle and everything else. I think what well, it was the same. I was up jumping and roaring in front of the telly for the Aww. Tigers. You look like, and it when he got beat, you're upset and you're you're annoyed. But about two minutes later, like you see him wheeling around there and coming back upside down to work and the crowd going nuts. Like, that, I, I don't think it took away much. You know, the horse got the send off he deserved. He didn't quite win, but geez, he ran an all Ireland race. And I thought it was fantastic. It's almost, it didn't take it away from it at all. In some, in some ways, it, it adds to the story. I mean, you don't, yeah. if, if, if you're handed victory and, you know, it's a pre planned fairy tale story, a walkover, don't run the best horses against it so he wins his race. I mean, this is our this is our Olympics, and people are really saying they shouldn't have run the five to two favourite in that race against the horse in case he Jack should have taken a pull and jumped off at the last. I mean, honestly, the, the wider <laughs> ramifications what people are saying, and I fully take on board that Katie Walsh wasn't alone in that, and and you know people were apparently saying it's similar on radio and stuff like that, and he apparently he was a a wider view in the press room as well, but but you just you I just you just couldn't make it up in some respects that horse. You know, it's it didn't it didn't diminish his history whatsoever. It's it's not a it's not being levelled at him that defeat. It's not going to be levelled at him in years to come, is it? It's an absolute. No. I was I thought it was epic. You know, coming in upsides. I thought it was. Oh, class. and the, and the, all the storylines that tie in with it. I know it sounds stupid, but almost like the rain made it more dramatic. The build up to the race itself, then the result, and then they walk back in together, and everyone came out despite the fact it was absolutely lashing it what? down. And like Jack Kennedy's smart that shot of Jack Kennedy's broad grin on the right, <laughs> and then this sullen face of Davy on the left I love like for a sporting for sporting drama yeah it, you know I loved it it's, it's, um, one, 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 the overarching thing before we leave this is the, the pride in the horse is not diminished by him getting beat absolutely it was just lovely because it's very very rare for, for a horse to get a proper send off you know it's their last go you know and it happens on the biggest stage and they run a belter like that like that's so extremely rare um, because most of the time, you know, fellas don't confirm horses are retired until after the race. You know, it was actually quite nice knowing, right, this is it. You know, whatever happens here, whether he's pulled up, whether he wins or finishes second, you know, this is it. And we're going to say good luck to him. And thanks very you know, much. The, and it was, it was biggest, brilliant. The biggest cheer I've ever heard on the racetrack was actually Denman when he finished fourth in in the Hennessy of a, of a multi-weight. I mean, to, mo- to most people, to most horse racing lovers, win or lose doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things when you're dealing with a horse with that back history. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Um, can I just, um, a couple of um, issues to talk about before we wrap it up, uh, guys. One, obviously, being Gordon Elliott. Like, uh, Willie had 10 winners, probably could have been 12 if Gaelic Warrior had done the business and Gavin Shop didn't fall, Kevin Blake. But uh, I guess, conversely, Gordon Elliott was quite bullish going over. He had a very strong team. He, he would have been quietly confident of, of, a, of a better return than just two wins from 60 runners. And you couple the loss of Jinto with that, which must really be upsetting for himself and uh, the Mourns as well. It just wasn't a great week for Gordon Ellis, was it? No, a horrible week. And, and you would have known in the build-up that like, this would have meant a lot to Gordon. Like, getting back to, to the Cheltenham Festival meant an awful lot. And I thought he was going to have a load of winners. I think a lot of people did. And yeah. it just didn't really happen. It, it was a tough week. Um, you know, he, he plenty of fallers, you know, including a few that were still in contention at the time. Like Jinto was a heartbreaker. Like yeah. to me, he looked the winner at the time. I know it doesn't matter now, but that just makes it worse. You know, it's such a lovely horse for the future. 
Um, you know, an important horse for Gordon. You know, the Morans, you know, their first grade one winner, I'm fairly sure. Um, just as horrible, really. Um, so really tough week, very tough week for Davy Russell. Um, you know, on the floor a few times, got stood down to one stage. Um, you know, touched off on Tiger Roll. You know, Galvin didn't really go his way. Uh, tough week for Davy. Um, yeah, so that team, yeah, tough week. That's Cheltenham, that, that's sport, lads. That's sport, you know. You, it, it harks back to the Tiger Roll thing, like you can want things to happen, but it's sport, you know. You go in, you try your best, and sometimes it just your best isn't good enough. And with Gordon, unfortunately, um, as best as hard as he tried last week, it, it just didn't drop for him. Yeah, it's interesting. Just, just on a note of sort of horsepower and horsepower in different yards, and you look at where the winners for Willie Mullins have be, have come from originally. Um, I think six of them were French sourced, and you know that I feel like there's a bit of a swing going back around from the Irish pointers back to the French breads in a very like just the just the subtle swing. And then we know that Gordon Elliott has always farmed the Irish points points, and Willie has always been a big fan of the French. So this isn't like a new thing, but just when you're looking at the results from the point to point graduates, you've got Constitution Hill, Honeysuckle, Sir Gerhard, and Nergumin, but he was French sourced and he was a British pointer, and Bob Ollinger, who doesn't really count given the situation. Whereas, you know, you look Why at. Why doesn't those- he count? Well, just that he crabbed oh, up the hill. And, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, sorry, that's, that's all I meant. Yeah, yeah, oh, just looking you, at the yeah. winners, you know. And I just thought, you know, it's Kevin, you made that point on the podcast. I think it was a little while ago that you were quite interested in the way, you know, Gordon, you know, as well as anyone following the sales, Kev, Gordon has really farmed those point-to-point Cheltenham sales. And... But it, this isn't a new thing. And so there was a sense of obviously Jinto in exception and incredibly sad and he came from that field. But I wonder if you know, where are those good young stock now? Like, why aren't they delivering at the top stage? Why can't they take on these French breads? Is it all about the French breads or am I focusing on the wrong angle here? Is it about who they're trained by? I just thought it was quite interesting looking at where these horses have originally come from. And definitely we're told that the point-to-point field in the Irish pointers is all, this is where heaven's made. And on the results, it's definitely not after this year's festival. Got a lot of homebreds, a lot of store horses, and loads of French breads. But actually, the point to point grads, not so much. Interesting. Richard, Richard Pugh would be coming for you. Well, I did the <laughs> I did the tassels. I I did, yeah, you will. I did the Tats Island bloody Cheltenham Festival previews. So they'll t- uh, Tats Cheltenham ones. They'll be fuming didn't, with me for that. Comment. Didn't Gordon? Didn't Gordon pick up that uh, Better Days Ahead or uh, Wednesday evening for three hundred and fifty k? I think anyway. But um, so obviously, yeah, that was a, that was a big that was a big yeah. Like he, he's heavily he's heavily into those point to point sales and has been for years. Yeah. Like he's been he the just loves one. them. I mean, he's the yeah. dominant one. I mean, you see Willie and you see Harold Kirk there, obviously, and you see Team J there but they dip their toe in not anywhere selectively yeah and I just wonder if there's if the yeah the French have never really gone out of fashion we know that they provide loads of winners but it's just interesting looking at where they've come from and Vanessa you said you had a wonderful week at the track Uh, you weren't seeing uh, lads going around coked off their face doing lines openly in the toilets or anything like that that seems to be suggested on a, a few social media spans that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm not exactly, I don't think it's, uh, I'm a fair person to ask in terms of I was there. <laughs> you weren't uh, in the men's toilets, Vanessa, is what you're saying. No? no, I actually wasn't in the men's toilets. I do what were you doing? Love, 
I love to hang out there normally. I actually gave it a swerve this week. (laughs) But um, no, you know, like I'm in a lucky position. I was doing a bit of work there. And so I'm not going to con you all and tell you that I was among the masses. Um, But I was surprised by some of the reaction to on social media to the atmosphere at Cheltenham. I personally just wandering around the place with people out and about occasionally felt like there was a great atmosphere, specifically on the Tuesday. I mean, I just felt like there was a real sense of thank god we're back and everyone i honestly just got a really great vibe off the place it was electric and i never at any point saw anything that i thought oh god british race goes here we go but obviously some people did and i was surprised by some of the reaction for sure and as for the singing oh god the singing debate should we be allowed to sing on a race course oh, i mean can you believe yeah. this is the, the most even, racing debate of all time i mean this it? is literally the most <laughs> racing debate of all time it's like can you believe we even have to have this conversation oh but we apparently we do according and, to i just find people so funny like because look my view my kind of life view is kind of each to their own like if you're happy kick on and like i'm not gonna bother you too much i'll walk away if i don't want to see it but then you have this these other people that if they don't like something Ban it! I should kick him out. How, you know. how 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 sad and desperate do you need to be to, to get annoyed, suitably annoyed, to suggest that people can't sing at a bloody race? If you don't like what? it, you can walk. You can walk hundred yards that way. Calvin, don't hear it. Look like. at look at that miserable kick. <laughs> put his hand up. Look at that miserable. But that is the thing, up. Kev. Exactly what you just said there. If people are singing at one end of the racetrack in a grandstand and you don't like it. I don't, nobody, you're not, you're not in a cattle cram, right? Like you literally can just walk away to another area of the race course. Like obviously you've got different tickets, but the ticket area that you're in is a huge, vast space. You can be under the grandstand, outside, in a bar, by the paddock, by the pre-parade, in a toilet for all I care. Wait, Honestly, wait, wait. just do, well, steady <laughs> now. Steady, 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 not steady. Steady. Um, you can do whatever the hell you like, basically. Yeah. And so, you know, if there's some young lads having the time of their life singing some jolly singing football hooligan songs, songs. You know. go for your life i probably go would have joined in yeah, look, it, it, i know that that was that was all a bit of a joke obviously this the singing debate but in fairness like the amount of people i've had kind of tweet me and i've seen like other various threads just about the race day experience like like lots and lots of tweets um prices you know cost of yeah. car parking you know getting out of car parks you know, lots and lots of stuff along those lines. Um, like to quickly give my two cents on it, um, aptly. Um, like the prices, like clearly looked hyper expensive. But you know, in the in defense, you know, you go to any kind of premium sport and event. There, you know, the, the you know the golf or the boxing or anything. You know, a big sport and event. Like prices are always ridiculous. And that's yeah. not to say it's right or wrong, but um, I wouldn't like to cast this as, you know, Cheltenham are going on a solo run to rip everyone off. Um, no, but I will say, though, £14 for a gin and tonic that looked like literally I've been poured from a tap. Like, I mean, Christ almighty. I so, yeah, yeah, you want to get quality. You should get, if you're paying a premium yeah. price, you should get a premium product, I suppose, yeah, is the, yeah. the, the main there point some, I'd make. Some, but the prices in themselves, not surprising. There were some absolute horror stories there. I mean, 80 quid for a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc is just, just, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, like, just coming on to the to the prices. I mean, I just thought they were they were a bit of a joke. But my son went to the UFC at the O2 on uh, Saturday night, and he just he took the pictures of the prices there. I mean, it's fifteen and a half quid for a chicken burger and a hamburger, and five pound twenty five for five hundred milliliters of Coke out of the dispenser. I mean, like you <laughs> said, 
if, if Cheltenham are ripping people off, then so is, you know, so is everybody else. But what I tell you, as Paddy Debatty, who was fighting there from Liverpool, I tell you, his fans wouldn't have been impressed paying those kind of prices up there. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I think they should gone behind the bar and serve themselves and not play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so what, what I would say, sorry, just one thing. Um, I have a local a, a local guy who DMs me on Twitter quite a lot, and he's worried about the antisocial behaviour. And he said the locals were actually disgusted by some of the behaviour. And we're going to get that with seventy three thousand plus people. But he's, yeah. he was saying they had, you know, youngsters openly pissing up against his gate at eleven o'clock in the morning. Oh, gross. Like he said he said it was proper grimming. All he said his daughter was being abused where she was working in the evening and things like that. He, mm. he said it. They do need to look at the wider picture, not only in at the race course but outside of it as well. You know, yeah. again, I suppose okay. that's kind of a kind of I don't know what the equivalent is, kind of a county council and, yeah. and local police yeah. job, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. TC, while I have you, then the final issue, um, in terms of the, I guess, the, the betting coverage throughout the week on TV, um, obviously Ising, uh, ITV and Racing TV take a quite a different approach to this, but, uh, you know, there was a number of instances that drew um, criticism during the week of, of bets, highlighting your bets, and I know you're obviously, you know, hugely focused on the betting angle as well, so I'm interested in your take on this as well, but um, where bets were placed um, and, and attention was drawn to, the flooring porter situation where your man said he had his last 400 quid he was dragged to the uh, the bookies and put it up um, on camera you had a child uh, saying that he asked his mother to put a bet on for a, a multiple sum in return as well uh what did you make of, of overall the betting coverage during the week yeah i'll preface this by saying it, it it doesn't offend me you know nothing nothing much offends me but yeah and, and a lot you have to distinguish between planned stage tv actions than in the reality of the situation but we're in a situation where now, but this responsible and gambling message is important. And especially with all the reviews that are going on, it is vital that we are seen to be presenting a united front. And there is clearly a disconnect between the likes of ITV last week and other channels are equally, you know, equally comfortable on occasions as well. And between the message the industry is, is trying to give out. We, the, the, two mentioned, the two that you mentioned there, we had a situation where a guy uh, in the ring had 640 quid and he said it's my last 640 quid let's go and put it on but that's that was clearly stage fan tv so you have to give him a little bit of license there but what is not acceptable is interviewing a kid it was at tubbs mcnally and in having him saying he had a bet uh he mum placed it for him he won 1900 quid a result i mean that is in the current climate that is tone deaf and that that is not on and i appreciate that the stuff with the kid, they were promoting him around the race course and on wider, wider social channels and stuff like that. Yeah, nice old fan. But you can't be having kids play, getting placing bets and winning that kind of money. But you only need the wrong person in government or involved in this gambling review to clock that and just think, they're not taking this seriously, are they? If a bookmaker did that, it would be fine central. They'd get a massive, massive fine, and rightly so. And I just think there was a little bit of disconnect there. And I fully appreciate... TV is more entertainment based, etc. Look there, but yeah. they've got to have someone looking at that and saying, "No, it just has to be a balance. There has to be a balance." Okay, finally, just I'm going to ask you all for your highlight of the week. Then, before we leave, wrap it up. Uh, highlight of the week was uh, for me was Nergamin. I just uh, I know that Shishkin didn't stand up, but just I'm, I'm so glad that the horse and for Willie Mullins to win a champion chase, the one blot on the CV box ticked, fantastic. Kevin Blake, your highlight. Jesus, <laughs> caught me on the half board, Vanessa. <laughs> Uh, my, highlight, my highlight was um, Honeysuckle, actually. Yeah, wow, okay. not so much for the performance, but just for, honestly, the atmosphere on that day. I walked back in and I just thought, 
if you don't love this, you're in the wrong game. And I've ne- yeah. I'm rarely happier than in those moments. So not so much for the performance, but just for in that moment, that is sheer and pure happiness for me. Brilliant. Tony Soccer for you. Tony Calvin, your highlights? Uh, to be honest with you, I like Kevin there. When, when someone asks you that question, I don't, <laughs> I don't really have one. But what I would say is, I think Tiger Roll getting beat by his stable mate and owner mate actually reaffirmed that racing is is on a level playing field and you know yeah. as much as you as much as you want you can't you can't forecast and you can't pigeonhole and you can't kind of like just what's the word I'm looking for you can't stage manage the result yeah. you want and I think that's yeah. very important for horse racing as a whole okay Kevin Blake um, I'm going to go with Boston finishing second in the Turners Joseph O'Brien fanboy in the corner yeah. on that bombshell Kevin I, no, no, no. I know it's, yeah. it's Tiger Road it's Tiger Road all Tiger day. Road. Yeah. 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 Just, there's just so many sweet memories with that horse you know the two nationals five wins at Cheltenham you know go back I remember tipping him for the champion hurdle when he was when he was you know four rising five you know he's just he's been around forever he's been absolutely yeah. brilliant and uh, and I have no issue with the way he went out. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, great way to go out on his shield. And uh, yeah, forget about all the national stuff the last couple of years, lads. That horse is a hero. Hero. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant shell in 2022. Angie's only two weeks away. Oh, my God. The season keeps on going. Racing only better back on Thursday night to look ahead to next weekend. Uh, thank you so much for your company. Thanks to Vanessa, Kevin, and Tony Calvin as well. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Good luck. <laughs>